0: All right, if you will, please open your Bibles to the book of Psalm 91. Pull out sermon notes, if you will, that are in the bulletin. And this morning, we are going to do exactly what I promised, that we would start a study on angels. And that's why you're in Psalm 91. The plan is to talk about an overview of angels, regarding angels today. Go into a study dealing with the worst... Fallen angel, Satan, and some of his demons next week and then how we battle them in the next week after that. So at least three, four weeks on angels before we get into our new next book study. In the Bible, there are words in Hebrew and Greek that refer to angels. I think it's Malek in Hebrew and Angelos in Greek. And you'll see that we're gonna have a slideshow here in a second. It. Those are words that mean messengers, and interestingly enough, it's based on the context when you know whether you're dealing with human messengers or spiritual messengers, and we'll see that, and our study is going to focus not on the human, but on the spiritual. I think that's where the insight is. So if you have your sermon notes, I want you to fill in the blank. We're going to into it. The Bible has a lot, fill in the word lot, To say about angels, because we're gonna have a slideshow right right at the start. So someone gets the lights for me. I'd greatly appreciate it. Angelology, technical term, the doctrine of angels, a brief study of angels. Okay. Angels do exist. (laughs) She's in Nebraska, spring break, and so you can tell her I did this for her, okay. (laughs) All right. Angels are mentioned in 34 of the 66 books of the Bible. It's, what you need to know is angels are not our focus. Angels are not the focus in any text that, that you see. Angels, are, it's, like, it's like secondary. And so when you put the doctrine together, you'll see as we go through passages, they're, they're like, like Psalm 91 we're going to study in a second. They, it's, it's all about our protection, and then angels are brought into it. So the word angelos in Greek, malak in Hebrew, if I did that right, means messenger. It's, it's used of spirit beings as well as humans. Very important. People do not become angels after they die, <laughs> all right? And we'll notice this picture when we go into the next one because you'll, you'll see the connection. Angels play a part in the Bible. Jesus spoke often of them. And again, the slideshow, if you ask for it, I will give it to you. But you can just jot this down. Jesus talks a lot about angels. And as we'll see, according to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, angels are around today. We believe that they were there on the very first day. This is a theological deduction. We get that because angels sang at the creation of the earth, the book of Job tells us in Job 38, verse 7. Hence, in Genesis 1 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We learn God created the earth on the first day so the point here is that angels are created and we believe they were it's reasonable to conclude that angels were created on the first day but before the earth's creation okay that's the best we can do angels are not eternal beings you can put that as a subnote too angels are, we don't see them as being eternal beings and which when you deal with the doctrine of god what makes him god is that he's eternal which helps us understand why different groups that Claim that we become gods are foolish because the very nature of God is that it's your an eternal being. And so if you are, if you are <laughs> someone that becomes a God, how could you be? Because you were started. You can't be eternal. Angels aren't e- inter- eternal either. Okay. Angels are always referred to as males. So, yes, you got me. On the first picture, I showed that picture of my wife. The reality of it is is when we look in the bible angels are always referred to as males male angels named in the bible are gabriel and michael michael is the only um angel called an archangel in the bible gabriel is called an archangel in the book of enoch which is an apocryphal book or we don't know but that's that's where the the thought of where gabriel comes out as being called an archangel but this is where it gets, where, you know, you start to say, well, maybe, you know, you only have two angels that are given names, and we're going to study about the name of Satan next week, because people say, well, how, doesn't he have a male named Lucifer? You have to come back next week to find that out. But other references in the Bible allude to angels as men. So, like, when you come to Sodom and Gomorrah in the passage in Gen- Genesis 19, the, the um, references, the pronouns are always male, Okay? So, then, also, we believe the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament can be proven to be the pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus. See Exodus 3, for example. That angel of the Lord, it's an interesting study, So, and I believe he's male, too. When we deal with the bodies of angels, we learn from the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 14, that they are spirit beings, but when visible, they usually take on human form. It's interesting, in these passages, it talks about the fact that, and they appeared to be a human. They appeared to be human. They took on the form of humans. Now, when we go through the Bible, passages like Exodus, Ezekiel, and Isaiah talk about these other classifications of angels, cherubim and seraphim, which are described with wings. But most angels are not described with wings. Here's an uh, there's an old painting. Like, I can't remember the reference to the painting right now, but it, it's carrying the Ark of um, the Covenant, and then you've got the angels on, on it. I believe it's cherubim right there, right? Okay, and the idea of wings. And so on the Ark of the Covenant were s- supposedly angels, but the idea that all angels have wings, that's nowhere substantiated. Angels are never seen... I found this to be very fascinating. Angels are never seen appearing in the Bible to evil people. A little fun fact there. So, uh, The number of angels is limited. So my infinity image, it goes on and on. This is how we come to this. Revelation 5.13 says, John saw angels that numbered in the myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. This means 10,000, plural, times 10,000, plural, (laughs) Plus thousands, plural, times thousands, plural, meaning an infant number. And that agrees with what we see in Daniel chapter 7, verse 10. How many angels are there? Don't know. They are spirit beings that work. These aren't pictures of angels. This was just a picture of people working from like a couple centuries ago. Hebrews 1.14 says angels are ministering spirits. In the Bible, the angels worship God. Bring the. This is some of the works they do. They worship God. They bring the Bible to man, which I think is absolutely fascinating. Because if you wouldn't have known this, there's nowhere in the Old Testament where he's like, especially like Moses when he goes up to the mountain, he gets the Ten Commandments, he's given the Bible. Somehow that truth went out, and I think there's even writings where the Jews talked about the fact that it was angels who somehow delivered the Bible to them in the Old Testament, and then in Stephen's speech. He refers to it in Acts 7, 38, and 53. And then Hebrews 2, 2 conveys it as well. They bring significant men- messages to, to individuals dealing with um, John the Baptist, birth of Jesus. They protect people, as we're gonna see here in a second. And in some cases, they bring destruction. There's, I think this one was the angel of the Lord, the 2nd Samuel passage, but this was the Sodom and Gomorrah. Angels seem to have a lot of work to do around the birth of Jesus and his resurrection. If you go into Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, Matthew and Luke and John, you see with the birth of Jesus, angels are, have a key, key role. There are two groups of angels. There are holy angels. Revelation 5 refers to them as holy. I think Psalm 89, I didn't get that in there. The, the fact that they're, they're holy angels. And then Matthew chapter 12 refers to what we call fallen angels, or we call them demons. We call the fallen angels demons. Um, Leviticus 17, 17, for example, talks about demons. And then it's interesting, um, I was reading in Matthew this week, and Jesus deals with people who are demon-possessed, demoniacs, with demons. It's, it's based on um, Revelation 12, 4. The Bible implies that one-third of the angels followed Satan in his rebellion against God. Next week, we're going to talk about how that happened. And it's fascinating. It's fascinating because the Bible, I think, give a, gives us insight into that so we think a third of them so in that very large number it's incredible that a third of them would have gone with satan and we know that um i just think it shows just how crazy sin is how could you see if you're an angel and you're in the presence of god and you see who god is and then satan comes up to you and says hey come follow me that you'd say oh i'm gonna go with him just crazy um we know that Holy angels long to look and understand salvation. So there's good versus evil, but even the good ones, there's a a perplexity with them, and they want to grasp the idea of human salvation. There are two groups of fallen angels, free and in prison. Yes, that's my son at Alcatraz. (laughs) I'm not saying these, but I just wanted to bring a prison photo in. Okay. That might be Al Capone's cell. So just as a side note, there are spiritual forces that we believe are fallen angels, okay, and they, we wage war against them now. That's what we're going to study in a couple weeks. So what I'm trying to say here is that there are, when you look at the fallen angels, God put some of the wicked angels in prison now, according to Jude, verse 6, all right, and a little bit of a debate as to why they're in prison. What did they do? Um, but what, what we need to understand is that there are free ones that roam around now, and there are ones that are in prison now. When you deal with the reproduction of angels, Jesus spoke of angels not getting married in Matthew 22, and hence the thought is that angels do not have sexual relations or produce. But some think this only refers to angels in heaven, because remember Jesus said, you know, When we're resurrected, we're going to be like the angels in heaven, not getting married. So, interesting, through that study, you begin to understand the proper perspective of marriage and how it's only, on from a human perspective, a temporary thing, and we're supposed to be like the angels once we resurrect. But some people think that fallen angels possess men and impregnated women, and that's how we got the Nephilim. I don't hold that view there's a lot of people, good godly people, who hold that view. Um, I just wanted to bring that up to you, that um, that's out there, that it was only the angels in heaven that don't get married. It's these angels that are bad that went and caused the reason for the flood in, in Genesis 6. I huh. hope you like this. The power of angels, that's a Albert Pujols, he's an L-A angel, ha, ha, ha. Angels have superhuman power. For example in Genesis 19 when they're going to bring down Sodom and Gomorrah, you see in J- Daniel chapter 9, Gabriel gets great wisdom, great insight. And second, I like this passage, 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 11. It gives you talks about the power of angels. But despite that, it's important for us to know angels are not all powerful or all knowing because they serve God. God does not serve angels. And I think that's important. You know, angels are powerful beings. And we're going to see in our study as we go into like the book of Jude in a couple weeks, you know, you're, you're to treat them with reverence. And one of the things, just as a little side note, part of the indication that false teachers are out there and they're false is the way that they want to rebuke demons and deal with these powerful demonic beings. They, the Bible tells us, that helps you know that they are false teachers okay well that's it if we can get the lights um, what we need to understand is like i said there's a lot to talk about when you deal with angels and if you fill in the blank fill in now the second point is that with the word do do believers do have guardian angels turn to psalm 91 if you haven't already and here's a psalm of david that teaches about guardian angels and the background is, is that that David writes a psalm about protection for believers. Here's an interesting point unbelievers are not promised guardian angels. Let's read the entire psalm, okay, so that you get a feel for this. Because this isn't just you'll see. Well, you'll see. This is a psalm about security. Verse one He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Verse 3, for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. Verse 5, you will not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by night or the pestilence that stalks in darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent. For he will give his angels charge concerning you. And here's where we get the idea of a guardian angel. Verse 11, to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands. That you do not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample down. Because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He he will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. I think this is a passage about the godly person and the ultimate person it gets fulfilled with, as you know, is Jesus Christ. And, but the balance is, is this just a messianic psalm? And I don't think it's just a messianic psalm. I think so much of what the psalms deal with are godliness and Jesus ultimately fulfills them. I think that's the mentality for those of you who really get into understanding how Jesus fulfills Old Testament. It's like Hosea 11.1, 1, out of Israel, out of Egypt I call my son. I mean, that's sort of the idea where um, I look at this and Jesus fulfills it. What you need to see here is that we do have, verse 11, these angels. And look at it. It's plural. So often somebody says, well, you have a guardian angel. It's guardian angels. And and I think that's interesting. If there are myriads and myriads of angels, who limits it to one guardian angel? I don't know. I, I don't know. I need a whole posse or whatever. We don't know how that plays out. And we can only go so far. But what you need to understand is, if I'm looking at this as a psalm that is talking about guardian angels, and it's talking about people who put their faith in God, that ultimately the only way to have this protection is to be someone that believes in God, or is right with God. And now we know the only way to be right with God is that you're born again. And so today, I can tell you, if you would like to have guardian angels, then you should have a relationship through Jesus Christ. Challenge yourself am I born again? Have I come to faith in Jesus Christ? Recognize out of humility that I need to submit to God and I confess my sin. Yeah, I'm a sinner. I deserve death. And that I can't just go off of a, I I, I can't trust in myself that I'm not good enough to get to heaven. I'm not good enough to be right with God. Have you turned from your sins and placed your faith believing that Jesus is God and man who died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins? I don't care how long you've been attending this church or any church. Unless you're born again, you don't go into heaven. And unless you're born again, unless you're right with God, you don't have a relationship with him. You're not going to have this protection. It's interesting how God sends this, these angels out. Turn to Daniel chapter 12. I'm going to do a little flow here of um we're going to look at a few verses today but um daniel chapter 12 old testament sort of a (laughs) i want to say um more towards i say four fifths through the old testament the guardian angels don't um it seems like they work individually but god also sent out guardian angels with the nation and it's interesting as you're dealing with end times Daniel chapter 11 is, has one of the greatest flows of end times dealing with the Antichrist and gets you, I believe, to the very end. And when you roll into chapter 12, verse 1, um, I believe right after you're flowing out of the, what we, many perceive the Battle of Armageddon, look at verse 1. Now, at that time, Michael, the great prince, who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise and there will be a time of distress as such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time and at that time your people everyone who was found written in your book will be rescued and 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 michael is michael the angel and as you study the book of daniel we, we you get a picture of how there's these battles between nations that are happening in the heavenlies and i believe that god gave michael this very powerful angel over israel the nation of israel who's guarding them so that's kind of interesting and like i said you better come back because you're going to hear how that plays out and then how it works out individually for us as well but you know the individual is i believe also given in given the guardian angel and that's why turn to matthew chapter 4 obviously where you see this played out the clearest is in chapter 4, where Jesus is in his temptation. So Matthew chapter 4, in the temptation of Jesus Christ, the passage about guarding angels, the only one that I know that uses it outside of the Psalm 91, now get this, is Satan. Satan quotes Psalm 91. And in the temptation of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has been fasting, He's been tempted by eating bread. He tells him man doesn't live on bread alone. Well, Satan comes back. The devil comes back to Jesus with a second temptation. And the devil takes him, Jesus, verse 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse, Matthew chapter 4, verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy place and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. And here's the scary thing. Again, the focus is like, wow, Satan knows scripture. He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hand, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So Satan, applying this to Jesus, but then I think applying the truth of guarding angels, says, go ahead, jump off, because the angels are going to carry you. And, and as, jumping ahead, you know, we talk about guarding angels. Um, Paul told me a story, and I won't go into the details, but can I tell it? it's okay? Paul, Paul um, gave me the nod, but Paul was on a situation where he fell off a board and sh- should have hurt himself, and he looks back. The, the board should have cracked, Bo- board shouldn't have held him up, and he, he snapped back up, and the board was, was was in perfect shape. and Paul always ascribes to it. There was something supernatural about that. So um, I look at this as interesting with the idea of i don't think paul you were taken to the pinnacle of the temple or anything like that but you were working on a in a backyard uh patty or backyard um whatever it was um patio and 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 here jesus is taken to the pinnacle of the temple and he says hey jump and look at how jesus responds verse 7 On the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So don't take these angels and think, oh wow, I could be acting crazy with them. I think this is one of the greatest sections of scripture of understanding how you use scripture, how not to use scripture out of context, how scripture can be misapplied. And so how we see here is that these angels don't put God to the test. So don't do something stupid. Just hoping that the angels will take care of you all right um so key lesson truth can be misapplied now here's a side note uh, well one additional note turn to acts chapter 12 if guardian angels are are in one other passage in all of scripture it's in acts chapter 12 and it's one that many of you might have missed it's in acts chapter 12 if you'll turn there it's the passage where peter is in prison And if you're familiar with the text, you know that Peter escapes from prison because God sends him an angel. That's not where we're focusing on. God gets him out of prison. In Acts chapter 12, the church is praying for him. Peter escapes, he comes to where the church is praying, and he knocks on the door. So pick up in Acts chapter 12, verse 13. When he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. And when, verse 14, when she recognized Peter's voice, because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying it was his angel. And there was thoughts that, that people were thinking this is his, the, the, the pronoun, his angel, i.e. his guardian angel, that would have manifested itself looking like Peter. So maybe that's a possibility. And again, how these angels manifest themselves, we don't know, always, but that, I just wanted you to note, many people think that this is a reference to Peter's guardian angel, okay? So, let's learn more about guardian angels and the way they work. Turn to Hebrews 13, the next point, fill in the blank, angels are around today, Hebrews 13. So, the book of Hebrews, It's talking about placing your faith in Jesus Christ. As he comes to the end of the book of Hebrews, the author says in chapter 13, um, verse 1, let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. So fill in the blank, they're around today. And here's where we get in this context the idea of dealing with, dealing with spiritual beings today and that they're out there today now remember i said the word angels could reference could reference humans there is an outside chance that you know he's saying verse one let love of the brethren continue and as people deal with human messengers as they go from town to town you must show hospitality to them however i just think you know why would a human Representative of God. Let's say it was a missionary, not go out and tell people, hey, I'm a missionary, you know, to the other church. You know, maybe they're trying to keep it secretive. So I just want you to keep that aware. I just think, I think that God is saying to us, hey, you need to be aware that as you're dealing in this world, there are angels, and by showing hospitality to them, you bless them. And the question is, is why? Is it because it's a, if if this is angelic, okay, again, I'm saying that I think a human messenger would say, hey, I'm a messenger for God, so I don't think that the human is in view here. Most people do take this as the spiritual angels. Is it because that we're being tested? So God wants to say, hey, you know, you're in a situation and there's somebody that comes up to you and they're in need. Is that a test? Will you come through for them? Or is it a possibility that when an angel takes on a human form, they limit somehow some aspects of their power, and there could be a sense where when we help them, we're genuinely helping them. And I kind of lean a little more towards that aspect. And I don't, I've always thought it was more of the test aspect, but as i thought through and i worked through this study, I'm thinking to myself, there could be a, an aspect that, you know, we're genuinely helping them, because I think he's asking us to genuinely help them. And you think, why hospitality? Well, hospitality, will, you know, if if they are, are in a situation where they're limited and they need help, then we have to put ourselves out for them. So you look at verse two. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Okay? So I brought some books this morning of theologies on, on doctrines on angels. Billy Graham wrote this book called Angels, God's Secret Agents, and it's interesting. Billy Graham has written a few other books, but this is probably one of his best, well-known works. And um, then by um, Reynolds Showers, I really liked his book on angels. And then uh, the one that we always were given in seminary, and I think we will use in a lot of Bible college. Fred, um, see Fred Dickinson's Angels, Elect and Evil. Great, great book. And uh, if you want to look at these, I have them up here. But what I wanted to do was, like, you know, when you deal with giving hospitality and dealing with angels, um, it's, it, it, it's story theology. And like I said, you've got to be able to watch it. But Billy Graham, you know, he talks, he wrote, writes right at the beginning about people that, um, that uh, dealt with many situations where the only thing that they can explain them is for angels. So um, um, let me read a few of them. Um, a Persian collaborator was accosted by a man who asked him if he had a right to sell Bibles. Why, yes, he answered, we're allowed to sell these Bibles anywhere in the country. And the man looked puzzled and said, how is it then you are always surrounded by soldiers? And he goes, I planned three times to attack you, and each time, seeing the soldiers, I left you alone. Now I want you, now, now I no longer want to harm you. And then, so the question is, is, were those people that were around this person who was sharing, taking Bibles into a foreign land, were they angels? During World War II, many of you have heard the name Eddie Rickenbacker. Those in Columbus, very famous. Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was shut down over the Pacific Ocean. And for weeks, nothing was heard of him. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a bird came down. And he believes an angel. He, he talks about he, the fact that this gall came to him. And he says, this part I would hesitate to tell because he and these people were stranded in the Pacific Ocean. They should have died. And he says, a gall came out of nowhere and lighted on my head. I reached up my hand and very gently I killed him and we divided him equally among us. We ate every bit, even the little bones. Nothing even tasted so good. Nothing ever tasted so good. This gall saved the lives of Rickenbacker and his companions Years later, I asked him, Billy Graham said, to tell me the story personally because it was through this experience that he came to know Christ. He says, I have no explanation that except that God sent one of his angels to rescue us. And then, you know, Billy Graham goes on. He tells one story of a doctor who, in the middle of the night, was awakened by a little girl. And this one gets a little creepy that says, You have to come save my mother, save my mother. And the doctor goes with the little girl, saves the woman provides medical care, and then when the girl, when the woman is healed, the doctor says, hey, I, I, I think this is so great that you could send your daughter out to come and get me in the middle of the night, and the woman turns and says, what do you mean? My, my daughter died like a month ago, and, um, and he describes her perfectly, and the mother shows the, the little girl's room, and the clothes that the girl that came to him in, that, in the middle of the night were in that room and so you, you see things like that you hear things like that and it it could be it can't be so that's why i say when you look at verse two it says we don't know and we're not going to ever know and i i told you my own account i told you how i was driving in nebraska lincoln nebraska one night and i felt that i would if you haven't heard the story i felt i was making a left-hand turn and i was gonna um unbeknownst to me run somebody over and literally Becky's in the passenger seat and as I'm turning I scream whoa and I felt like someone took over the car and next thing you know I was in a different lane and when I looked up there was a person walking right where I was turning it was like about 9 9:30 at night and I would have run right into that person I would have killed them the screaming and the wheel turning happened long before I recognized there was somebody there was that an angel that God sent something there to protect me so I didn't get into a very bad situation I tend to think so. So I look at this and I, and, and, and I look at the fact that when we come to the book of Revelation, angels are going to play a major part in end times. So yeah, I do think that they're around today. And I think that they are something that you need to understand that even though they're around, you are never, you are never, the last point here, fill in the blank, you are never to pray to angels nor worship them. Okay, and so this is very very important our focus needs to be on god so fill in the blank with the word pray worship and then focus understand that as we move through a series of passages here you know turn back to matthew chapter 4 i just want to take you through a series of passages and i think it gets you into the right perspective because today, you know, you can go into a lot of Christian bookstores, you can go into a lot of secular stores, and th- there's a lot of reflection on the fact that, you know, people are worshiping angels, and they're, they're thinking highly of angels. But God, you know, in the very temptation that Jesus went through with Satan, and, you know, and he tells them, uh, he tells them, well, pick up in verse 8, the devil takes him to a very high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world, and their glory, and he says to him, verse 9, all these things I will give to you if you, fall down and worship me. Well, God says to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. we were not to worship Satan as a fallen angel. We're not to worship anybody other than God. And so make that really clear. Our focus needs to be on God. Turn to Colossians chapter 2. It's interesting. Like I said, so many passages as, you know, you, you focus on the book of Colossians. It deals with um, how we aren't aesthetic and how we don't fall, get legalistic and and then all of a sudden he throws this in about angels so the book of colossians colossians galatians ephesians philippians colossians in the new testament colossians chapter 2 okay i'll pick up in verse 16 therefore no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or respect to a festival or a new moon or on a sabbath day or a sabbath day things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels. Don't let anyone teach you that you should be worshiping angels, taking a stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his flushing mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grow with the growth which is from God. So our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ and on God okay and so two more passages turn to the book of revelation revelation chapter 19 it makes it very very clear we are not to worship angels okay revelation chapter 19 as john was getting information from the angels remember angels are bringing even the book of revelation to him and so revelation chapter 19 um down in verse 9 revelation 19 as the angel comes to, to John, he says to me, verse 9, Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the wor- true words of God. Now we've been talking about, in our end time study, we talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb. But verse 9, 10, Then I fell at his feet to worship him. Who? I, he was going to worship the angel. But he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold to the testimony, uh, testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Worship God. That's the, fo- that's the point here in our angelology. And then one last verse. Turn over to chapter 22. Revelation 22. Part of what we, we were studying before on end times. That final words. Chapter 22. Verse 8 and 9. I, John, and the one who heard and saw these things. All the book of Revelation. We said the whole end times. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of what? The angel who showed me these things. But he said to me do not do that i am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren of the prophets and those who heed the words of this book worship god worship god and and i i have shared with you i think one of the most interesting things that i have found in my study of good and evil and if i've watched my theology grow one of the things that has blown me away is that that people who worship satan remember satan's a fallen angel Believe that he is the good God and that he is worthy of worship. And we now, we as believers in Jesus Christ know that is an incredible lie. But perhaps you've often wondered why in the world would somebody worship Lucifer? Why would somebody worship Satan? Because they believe he's a good God, he's a good messenger, he's a good angel, however they want to put it. Now, here's the interesting dynamic as we're wrapping up here every we live in a so-called scientific era and man is supposed to be evolving past the supernatural hocus pocus but yet what we're finding today is that many people are into angels and like i said christian bookstores and secular bookstores are often filled with books on angels books and movies and they they use angels and mankind is fascinated by them and we should be aware that they're here they are there do you know the bible even talks about the way we worship you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and the way we cover our heads and have our hair cut matters to who? To angels. It's a signal to angels, okay? So 1 Corinthians 10, we should be aware that they're here, but God wants us to understand he's using them for our good, that if we are believers, our focus needs to be on Jesus Christ and serving him. So I encourage you, number one, make sure you're a believer number two if you're a believer go to work for god knowing that he will protect you i truly believe it and if some harm does come before you then it's what god wanted but i tell you rejoice in the fact interestingly enough that god allows us to have angels and so whether Paul's got a story. I've got a story. Billy Graham's got numerous stories. I didn't even go into like, he talked about missionary after missionary dealing with the fact that that there were situations where where tribes, people, like I alluded to it before, but a, a little bit of the ones where they, other ones he talked about where people were going to be attacking them and they, they saw guards all around the campsites, the missionaries. Who was that when there were no guards? Was it angels? So Today, be excited that God is allowing us to pull back the curtain, if you will, see that there's a spiritual world out there. But if you're going to avail yourself of it, you focus on God, not on the angels. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the wisdom that you've given us and to know just a little bit more about the spiritual world. As believers, I just hope, Lord, that there is this constant awareness that angels are watching us they're there for our protection they're there wanting to see how we worship and we ask god that the angels would be empowered for whatever battle that we're facing as a church and we would ask god that as we battle and face the fallen angels that there'd be strength for us and as we learn over the next few weeks how to battle satan and how to deal with the demons That there comes a growing wisdom in us and the skills in which we have. We thank you for all the truth regarding angels scratching the surface of it today. In Christ's name, amen.